Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Tennessee Power Hour is here. Coming up, we talk about the big offseason for the Nashville Predators. A lot of news has already happened with the organization. And we do some comparing to offseasons of the past. But first, an update to the Ring of Honor at Nissan Stadium and the Tennessee Titans organization uh, announcing today that Bum Phillips, former Titans general manager Floyd Reese, and former head coach Jeff Fisher will all go into the ring of honor for the franchise, the Oilers-Titans franchise. Uh, first to be inducted uh, will be in September, Bum Phillips at the Houston Texans game here in Nashville. Colts game. Oh, it's the Colts game? Yeah, it should be the Texans game, but it's, it's week three. Oh, I wrote down uh, Houston. Colts I'm sorry. Game. Yeah, it should. Uh, Colts Col game. The Texans game isn't until November 21st. I'm guessing because it was Thanksgiving time, it wouldn't work there. It would have been ideal to be against September the Texans. September 26th. I would have jumped to the same conclusion, right? Uh, because of the Houston history. Yeah. Okay, so it, it's going to be September 26th. It's Oilers homecoming week against the Colts. Go figure. Um, so that's that's when that's taking place, and they're inducting him because it will be Oilers homecoming week. A lot of his former players uh, and, and others will, will be in attendance, so that, that will tie in perfectly. And they are going to induct Floyd Reese and Jeff Fisher at the same time uh, in a date that will be announced later. Uh, this is inevitable. These are three obvious names for the Ring of Honor for the franchise, and uh, it, it comes in line, Paul, with a bigger topic that I know you're going to hit on, which is the update to the Ring of Honor yeah. at the stadium. But well-deserved for all three of these guys. Bum, yeah. Bum Phillips defined what you could argue was the franchise's best era. Love You Blue is the most distinct time in this franchise's history. And the Houston Oilers' rivalry with Pittsburgh is one of the classic rivalries yes. um, in the league and certainly, I think, goes beyond anything the Titans have experienced, yes, just because of how long and how much venom there was in the old AFC Central. Um, a very, very special time in, in league history. I know a lot of Titans fans will say, you know, well, it's a Houston thing. Well, this franchise is the Houston Oilers still. Um, and so, you know, yeah, it's weird that it's in Nashville and all of that. But some of those other 14 names that are up there already belong to people that didn't play in Nashville. It's just the way professional sports in America works, with the exception of the Cleveland Browns move to Baltimore and the conversion to the Ravens and expansion team. Every team that's moved takes its history with us. Titans were a little bit of an exception in that they ultimately changed their name. Jeff Fisher and Floyd Reese put together the team that went to the Super Bowl in the very first year of the Titans being the Titans. Um, constructed and and fielded and executed Jeff you know with the preparation that produced the Music City Miracle Floyd I'm glad to know is is well 
Um, we haven't heard from him since he left his radio gig in Nashville. It has to be maybe a year now. Uh, I've, I reached out to him after that. I know a lot of other people have reached out to him since then and, and uh, had not made contact. There's a statement from him in the Titans release. So that brought me uh, a feeling of relief to, to know uh, that he'll be around for this and that, that he's seemingly well. Three very deserving guys, and uh, it's an occasion at Nissan Stadium. It was when e Eddie George was back, halftime ceremony, big hullabaloo, makes it uh, a super special game and one that people remember. I don't think there's any, any questioning or any doubt that Titans slash Oilers fans will see those three names and have any issue with those three men being uh, put into the ring of honor. Paul, you pointed something out, though, on Twitter this is a good opportunity also for the Titans organization to upgrade the optics and what it looks like for that ring of yeah. honor. I wrote a story about it that I posted right before we went on. And look, the, there's going to be a major stadium uh, revamp in the not-so-distant future, at which point I'm confident they'll, they'll do something. They'll, they'll be a, a ring walk or, or something where you can... Uh, interact with, for, for lack of a better word, these 17 uh, people and the ones to come in a, in a better way, in a real way, in a tangible way, year-round, you know, maybe outside the state. Who knows? They'll, they'll come up with something, though, and we've seen features like this at, at other venues. But I think they need to invest money right now. They're going to be in this stadium for several more years, as it is. And... Uh, Hutton, you and I have been in a lot of NFL stadiums following this team for a lot of years. There's only so much you could do putting a name on a, on a wall, so to speak. But it's better incorporated virtually everywhere. I think Cincinnati's also bad. It, it's lower. It's, it's more in the fabric of the stadium. And it feels like they're a part of the game. At Nissan Stadium... And if you look online at the story I sent out, I, I found a tweet that somebody sent about it. They are metal signs, white print on light blue, at the very top edge of the very highest security fence that's just down from the light stanchions. And it looks cheap and tacky. And these are 17 people that you're honoring as the 17 best people that have ever been connected to your franchise. And it looks like the signs are afterthoughts that are thrown up and tied with, like, uh, you know, what you grabbed at Home Depot. Yeah, it, I mean, instead of asking, does this look cheap, I think they asked, is it completely weatherproof? Oh, okay, put it up. Yeah. That, right. That's what it looks like. It, it doesn't look great. Um, it's not catchy. Uh, it doesn't add to the aesthetics of the stadium at all. Uh, and all of that's going to be upgraded soon. I mean, they're going to be upgrading the stadium soon with improvements. So hopefully that includes a huge overhaul with this Ring of Honor. This is the first induction since McNair, Eddie, and Wycheck, right? Or McNair and Eddie? McNair and Eddie were just last year. Or two or years two ago. Two years ago. Two years, pre-COVID. Yeah, during a halftime ceremony early. Well, they're being but very selective with it, which is a good thing. Yeah. You can dress up at least find a way to dress up what you're doing right now to hold you over until you do something bigger and grander as part of the revamp. But I think it's kind of embarrassing just to put up three more of these signs when you're honoring three really great additions to this. It draws attention to how bad it is. It's like going to Staples 
and getting uh, a sign printed. You could go. It, it, that's what it looks like. You could go but, get one of these made. But no, but you could go back to Staples and get a better version of what they purchased. Right. Like that's what that's, that's they can improve I, it and go, I, say, go to the same store. At least do that. Yeah. And put some bunting around them. You know, that you you know put some bunting around it every every well, home game. The fact that we're talking about bunting shows they need a new stadium or a huge stadium upgrade, which needs to happen. Uh, I'll also say two things. One, when you're being compared to the Cincinnati Bengals in terms of uh, something looking cheap and bad. I think the Bengals are... are well, that's not a good comparison. You never want to be compared to Cincinnati when it comes to spending money. And two, with this, there's just no excuse in today's NFL with the money being made to have anything look cheap, much less something honoring the greats of your franchise. There's there's no excuse for it. Well, there's no way... Like, just common sense would tell me there is no way they do the stadium upgrades they're going to be making and leave that crap up there. No, they won't. It, I mean, why leave something that looks so bad up on the top of the stadium that you're renovating? So, at the very least, they'll be upgrading the Ring of Honor and how it looks within the stadium at that time. But I'm it's with not Paul. Soon enough. Now's the time to unveil it all at once and have your centerpieces with, with Fisher and, and Floyd Reese and, and Bum Phillips. Fisher and Reese, by the way, Reese, the winningest general manager in franchise history. Fisher, the winningest coach. So uh, common sense would say you put them in together for the era that they were a part of here. Um, And I wonder about their relationship now. I I don't think they've crossed paths a ton, but obviously ended badly. But time heals all wounds. And I think I would imagine that they would collectively look back on their work together and not, not the ending where things were not great between them. Uh, it, it was obvious one was going and one was staying. Jeff won that. Um, and uh, Floyd had bad feelings leaving. His wife called into a radio show at, at one point. Chad, you might have been on that air? one. That was actually was, his wife. That wasn't Michael was, McDonald. My show that I was working Double. on was on the air when that happened. Yeah. We were at uh, what is now, it was, I think it was called something different, but Crow's Nest in Green Hills. <laughs> I'll still spot. remember, yeah, that we were, it was brand new at the time, but we were doing our what show you, there. What were you thinking as she was going off? I was thinking, this is terrific. I yeah, mean, I, you know, I don't know, that my, I don't know that my hosts uh, were as ecstatic about it, well, you but know Floyd uh, was. I was thinking, let's keep her on. Let's keep it, keep it going. For those that <laughs> let's don't remember keep asking this, questions. she called in and, and tried to explain the real reasons for what happened? Well, she said uh, that Floyd wanted to draft Devin Hester when Jeff pushed for Lendell White. Is that correct? The second round? Yeah. Um, you know, she was setting the record straight as far as she was concerned, protecting her guy when Fisher had won this, this power struggle. And listen, almost every coach GM in the traditional sense, which we're used to in Nashville, which is the way it's always run here, ends badly uh, and ends with, with one of them winning. Robinson and Vrabel right now are on a good track, and you hope it doesn't get there. And also, by the way, I think it's a nice feeling for this city that Floyd and Jeff will go into the Ring of Honor together at a, and as the winningest coach mm-hmm. and the winningest GM at a time where the fan base could think, we have two guys in place who could well overtake both of them, right? Because Robinson's doing a good job and Vrabel's doing a good job. We're winning consistently, and there's no reason for us to imagine these two guys derailing this thing. They can win the way Fisher and Reese won for an extended period of time and take their place in the record. Well, it's a great testament that you don't have to have the warmest, friendliest relationship at all times, and you can disagree 
on a lot of things and not personally be like someone else, but yet still have a lot of success and, and work together. And I think they, they showed that. And they were close for a long stretch. Yeah. You know, things go south ultimately. Almost everything ends badly in sports, right? I don't think there's any way to not have some animosity when things go south yeah. in sports. There's going to be resentment. There, it's a huge When you're exception. losing, resentment is built up with someone. It's the players you drafted or the players you're coaching or your coaching staff versus my scouts. Or the contract always going to be that. With the owner, right? Yes. Bud made a choice there. Bud chose. Chose Jeff over Floyd at the end. So you were sucking up to the owner. I was standing up to the owner. All of those politics are in play. It'll be great to see them... Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily together. Did the release say that they'll yes. be together? So it'll be great to see them together, and it'll be quite a celebration. And uh, quite frankly, uh, it should be a great celebration for um, Bum, who died in 2013. So Wade Phillips and the Phillips family uh, will come to town. Wade Phillips, one time an interim head coach of the Houston Oilers, I believe. And was No, no, he wasn't interim head coach. He was defensive coordinator of the Houston Oilers. He coached three teams. He was interim coach of three other teams. And he was the losing coach of the Buffalo Bills in the Music City Miracle game. So there's some irony. Coming up, uh, a, a discussion on the Preds offseason. They, they had a pivotal offseason a handful of years ago that set them up for a Stanley Cup final run. Whether or not they meant for it to happen exactly the way it fell into place or not, it did go that way. Can they find that same focus, that same mixture of talent this offseason in a critical offseason where they need to make some changes? We can all agree on that. Plus, the Tennessee Vols not making changes with their winning programs. They extend coaches, not just Tony Vitello. We'll tell you who and why straight ahead on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Tennessee Power Hour is here, and uh, we spent the majority of this hour yesterday discussing the career of Pekka Rene and what he meant to this franchise, the Predators franchise, over the last 15 years. And now we turn our attention to this offseason and compare it to an offseason, and in season really, when they actually signed Pekka Rene to his contract extension during the 2012 season. It was a pivotal offseason that they got right. Whether they actually lucked into it or not, we're going to discuss that. They got it right. And they ended up setting up what was a, a critical run in the postseason after that. And it led to 2017, down the pike, where they still had their Vesna winning trophy goaltender in place as they made the Stanley Cup final run. And we'll compare that to a pivotal offseason for the Predators right now and what it could set up for for not just next season, but years down the line and some moves and some changes that, quite frankly, must be made. It is time to make some changes within that locker room, more than what they've done. Arvidsson's been traded. Pecorine has retired. What's next? It's not, is that it? It can't be it. They've got to make changes. Let's compare it to 2012. And they signed Pekka in the middle of that season to a contract that averaged $7 million per year. Ryan Souter left for Minnesota, and Shea Weber 
signed a contract for Philadelphia. That was when all this went down and David Poyle got on the radio and admitted that he had been played. He had been fooled by Ryan Suter during that season. So instead of trading him, they thought they were going to get him back. He ends up signing a 13-year uh, massive uh, dollar uh, contract with Minnesota, which, by the way, they're paying him over $50 million as of yesterday to not play for them. To not play for them. They're buying out his contract. Crazy. So again, the Predators lucked into not having Ryan Suter a part of the long term. Philadelphia signs Shea Weber to a contract that same offseason that Weber signed and he wanted out whether or not he wants to admit it after the Predators matched they didn't think the Preds would match the contract that was a 12-year contract offer sheet and uh, offer sheet that they matched. and yeah the, the the Preds matched it they matched the deal with Philly even though no one thought they could financially Pekka re-signed during that season though so they had their goaltender and there was a small press conference for it that was it they move on, no big deal. He then signed a two-year extension after that contract expired, and that led us to where we were yesterday. It worked out perfectly for Nashville and David Poyle. They did not make the mistake of signing Suter to a massive contract. They were able to trade Weber's contract for P.K. Subban, and so they didn't feel the ill effects of that either. It was the off-season that everyone feared, and they made it through and set themselves up for a playoff run, even though some fan favorites left. And that's what's happening this offseason. Just look at the names from 2012, Jacob, that I sent you during the break. Here's what the offseason looked like then. Going in, this was an article from Bleacher Report, where you see all the names. Radulov, Suter, Weber, uh, Hal Gill, Jordan Tutu, Colin Wilson. I mean, Predators fans, some fan favorites on that list. Fast forward to... 2021. This is... Now hold on one second yeah. here. Was this Radulov coming off the disaster in Arizona? Um, I think this was before that. I think it was before it, too. Because he's restricted here, too. Yeah, so, they again, they, they made it through the offseason that they feared. Everyone kept referring to the 2012 offseason. Obviously, they got Pekka done Doom during the season. Um, they have to get it right this summer. And they, they won't be judged necessarily in 2021 or 2022 for what's going to happen here. But it can set up a future playoff push with Soros in net instead of Pekka. And you can have a similar type result, which is the ultimate goal. The next few days, they're going to have to decide on the expansion draft. Quickly, that was 2012. That was the, that offseason. Preds, Coyotes, 2012. That was okay. right. So they were, a big, yeah. they were in a bad spot because they really blew that, was, that series. Yeah. He really blew things up. He was suspended on May 1st, 2012 for Game 3 mm. of the Preds-Coyote series. So, Hutt, just, just to add to what you're saying, yeah, outside of having these decisions to make, that team was in huge disarray. A lot of questions about how they handled the discipline for him and what he did to them out there. A lot of division. And... The decisions that were made then were set up for overanalyzing moving forward. Like it, we can point to 2012 as a pivotal moment to what set up 2017. Are we going to be pointing to 2021 for what set up 2023, 24, 25, and how they build this roster? It's not going to be with some of the fan favorite players that are currently intact right now. And I, I'm sitting here reading things like something's got to change. I, I'm seeing things like that prior to Pekka's retirement. I'm seeing that. 
during right after they are eliminated from the postseason. Something's got to change. Where's the fabric within that? What's got to change? It's got to be more than just Victor Arvidsson getting traded for some draft picks here. They've got to change up that locker room. It's a foregone conclusion now that they are going to attempt to, to trade with Seattle so that Seattle will take Matt Duchesne off their hands in what has been an ultimate disaster of a signing. Uh, that has not worked out. And that's a part of my plan that, that has to happen. Duchesne can't be on the roster. That's uh, unbelievable. I mean, how many years has it been? It's not been long. He was the savior coming in. And now you gotta so you gotta years. pay to get him out. Yeah. A two year turnaround, and you're gonna spend money to get somebody to take him off your hand. Yeah, spend a draft pick that you acquired from from the Arvidsson deal or, or something else, uh, plus consideration. I, again, I don't know, uh, but th that deal has to happen. You have to give Seattle a reason to take him because everyone knows the Preds don't want him. And the Kraken will be counting on rehabilitating him, and he might well, well go he's been there a good and player. do something. Yeah, he's been a yeah. good player, just not here. Um, and I want to get to more of Duchesne in a moment, but when, when people ask, oh, something's got to change, and I, I respond with, okay, what? What's got to change? No one wants to mention the hard truths of this roster. And I'll, I'll go back and start in the well where I have been banging the drum for the last couple of off seasons. They need to trade Ryan Ellis. They need to trade Ryan Ellis. And just like they moved Arvidsson, because in, a, in writing some of my notes down here, if for absolutely no other reason, then it's time for a change. His contract is a considerable amount of money. Moving him shifts who they are and what they look like, which they've got to do. And that's not a bad thing, moving that around. If you want to keep, uh, keep Eckholm, which they do, I think you have to move Ellis because that would set you up for Yossi, Ellis, and Eckholm all over the age of 30 moving forward under long-term contracts. I don't like that. And Ekholm aging doesn't bother me as much as Ryan Ellis does because he's already had a history of injury issues. I would invest more in Ekholm than I would Ryan Ellis personally. Um, I'd go get something for Ellis. And, and otherwise, I think you back yourself into a corner on getting nothing in return and, and your roster it just ends up being old. And you've been steady on Ellis being the guy to go for several years now. I, I, yeah, but he's played well in spurts, but I just don't like the, the injury history, and uh, we're going to get to some other things here. But I, this offseason, it guarantees me something different. That's what I like about it. Um, and uh, let me compare it to this way. Cor the Titans could have re-signed Corey Davis, but don't we know what... Corey Davis is that 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 that, that would be my like that's that's what I would say here in some of the trades I'm going to put out here. Um, two part for number for my second option. I, I want to get David Reed's take on this for the Preds. I would offer Forsberg a reasonable contract, and I would do it similar to what they did with Pekka Rene years ago, where they offered during the season. They it was what seven million dollars per year on average. And I think right now Forsberg's averaging six, Reed. I think that's around what he's getting. Um, is he giving you enough? You know, I, I would argue no, not even close. Uh, has he? Has what he done? Is what he's done earned you a raise? I would earn him a raise. I would say no, but I would offer him one, a small one. And if he turns it down, I'm trading him. Right, drawing a line in the sand because I'm getting something for him before his contract expires. 
uh, that would be imperative for, for what needs to happen. And I'm getting an equally good player or equally good prospect in return. A lot of people don't like this idea, but they traded David Legwan for Callie Yarncroke. That happened. They traded Martin Erat for Philip Fors Forsberg. That also happened. And they got good players in return. I'm trying to set myself up for the future instead of getting something for nothing. And I'm trading him now so that it indicates I'm, I'm making sure that we're, we're changing things up within that locker room. Again, I like Forsberg, just hasn't been good enough. He's a really good player. He needs to be a level up. Uh, I, I can't pay him deep into his 30s for the production I'm about to read off. He's a player that's not elite. He's really good. And traditionally, he starts red hot and then tails off because he's banged up. And if you just use the raw stats, he has 87 goals over four seasons. He's 65th in goals across the league over the last four seasons. That's simply not good enough for the talent that he possesses. He should be around 20 to 25th in the league over the last four seasons. And the injury concerns and the way he starts hot and slows down over the second half of the season have kept him out of that range. Um, I can't invest in that. He should be a tier below McDavid and Kucherov and McKinnon. And he's not that. He's a notch below that second tier. I, I'm not paying him for something that he hasn't shown me, even though I think it's uh, potentially could, which is why I'm going to try to give him a friendly offer that helps both sides. Reed, you have any hesitation with what I'm throwing out so far to shake things up? I would be very hesitant to try to trade Forsberg because I don't think you're going to get anything in return to replace that production. Well, and I think that the, the hesitation would be it signals that you're rebuilding if you, if you trade him. There's a signal for that. But again, I think there's a sales pitch within this too as to what you can get in return for Philip Forsberg. Yeah, I think I don't I don't like trading any of your top line guys for prospects. Period. Because prospects oftentimes in hockey do not work out. This is not the NFL where we're talking about second, third. So you're round paying guys. Forsberg big money? No, I'm not paying. No, I'm not paying him big money. No, his production has not lived up to what the contract is. It needs to be a more team friendly deal. Keep in mind too that Forsberg's a guy who brings people in the door and sells jerseys. Um, I'm still looking. I'm all aboard with getting rid of Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis is not available for the majority of your season anyway. Yeah. Uh, Ekholm is a top-line defenseman, so you have two top-line defensemen with yep. uh, Yossi and Ekholm. I'm all about trading Ryan Ellis. I'm all about, at this point, getting rid of Ryan Johansson because I think some of Forsberg's lack of production is because he is not playing with a true top-line center. Well, I'm not getting rid of Johansson. I am getting rid of Matt Duchesne. That's the third move here. Because he, it, he has not been the right fit on or off the ice. There is no way that his loser mentality plays well in that locker room. Just can't. It, it, it just has not, it not been a fit. And the loser mentality I'm referring to is that this, he has this ego that he's better than the rest of you. And if anything goes bad, oh, it's just a bad bounce or it's puck luck. That's ridiculous. Get out of here with that. Like, it, it just hasn't worked. He's not, he's not near the, the impact player that we all thought he could be, that David Poyle was sold on. Uh, and uh, to me, you just have to cut your losses and pay Seattle to take him in the expansion draft. That, that is option three for me, but it's priority number one. Here's, here's I, I mean, I, I'm gonna, I, I don't object to your suggestions, and I think they need to make changes. Here's my issue. 
the return. And, and it, not with prospects like Dave's talking about. You need frontline people or, or contributors in return for these guys, right? Mm -hmm. So here's my list. Uh, and these aren't all acquired. Deshane was a signing, not a trade, right? But Matt Deshane, Wayne Simmons, Granlund, Ryan Hartman, Kyle Turris. These are the biggest guys they've added in the last several years. Granlin, in his, when he arrived in 2019, didn't do anything. He had a very nice year this year in the context of what they did. He might have been their most steady player. I think David Poyle said that. That's a compliment to Granlin. It's also an insult to guys better than Granlin who should play better than Granlin. Here's my point. Torres, Hartman, Granlin, Simmons, Duchesne, collectively, not good. So if you're trading these three guys you're talking about or making deals, I need returns that are better than Turris, Hartman, Granlin, Simmons, and Duchesne. Yeah, but... You've got to assess the talent you're getting in return better. Well, the, but it also factors in how much you're paying these guys and what you expect them to do. Duchesne was the highest paid signing they've ever made outside of re-signing their own prospects. And he was what good message, elsewhere and he comes here and he's bad. What message does that send internally that... The highest paid guy, he's not the highest paid player on the roster. He's right up there. I think Yossi's ahead of him. Um, I'm talking that, that haven't come through your organization, that you signed from the outside. He's the highest paid. And when he gets here, it, no he's fault. He, no, it's never his fault. You know, he, he's, no, he pouts. I agree entirely. Like I'm, I'm disgusted by I, him, but there's something go. about you. There's I mean, an he's aura culpable around number him one. that just has not fit that locker room. I, I agree entirely. He's culpable, number one, but there's something to be said when you go out and get these five guys, all of whom were supposed to make you better, Yeah. and they get here and they don't make you better, and, and when they're trade, uh, well, they're trade deadline trades, you consistently say, well, it's hard for a guy to work himself in. Meanwhile, the rest of the league is adding guys at the trade deadline who make them better on a playoff run. I, I think my, my sense of the offseason is just simply you know what you're going to get with this group. And we have said that for the last couple of seasons. So you've got to mix it up, and you have to make some tough decisions. It's okay if you make a few fans angry with the moves you've made. You've already done that by trading Victor Arvidsson. And you've already done it by losing and, in the first round. And, oh, by the round. way, half, I mean, all the tweets right after the Arvidsson trade was, oh, great guy, but, man, what value we got with these, with these picks. I can't believe that. I mean, it's a win-win. It's a win-win on these, on these trade and the, the, the trade and the, the draft picks that the Kings sent for Arvidsson. Um, you can do that with other players as well and set yourself up for a future that right now is, is simply an aging roster that's not that good. Well, and I, I don't know. I, I agree with your three-part plan here, Hutton, for this offseason. But I'll also say I don't know that there's any way to do these things that need to be done without signaling that you are rebuilding. There's, there's no way to just make your roster infinitely better this offseason without saying we – there are some things here that we got to correct, and moving forward, we're not going to get an equal. You know, you, you need the Marty Erat for Phil Forsberg trade to happen, right? right? With one of these, if you're going to trade Ellis, go get Phil Forsberg in return. Not, but you know what I mean—a young prospect that hits quickly. That's something that can make your team better quickly. But those have been too rare. I mean, trading Ryan Ellis, I'm all for it. Hudson, would your first option be you said sign uh, Forsberg to a, con a reasonable contract or trade him? I'm, would your preference be to sign him to a reasonable contract? Look, they, they made the right call in not overpaying for Ryan Suter during the season where they didn't overpay either for, for Pecorine. 
Pekka chose to sign it and stay. He got a, he got a bump in pay. He was comfortable where he was. If that's Forsberg, sign him now. Get him under a contract that's reasonable. Give him a little bit of bump in pay, but don't pay him like he's the tier below McKinnon because he's, he's not. not that player. That's all I'm saying. Don't don't overpay for a player that he has not been. Yeah, let somebody let somebody else do that. He's that after guy in the trade. first three months. If they don't overpay for him, which I'm all for them not overpaying for Philip Forsberg, they're going to take a, a step down. I don't, but, I don't I don't think there's an upgrade to be made with him. But it's not. I don't think it's that hard to find a player that's 65th in goals over the last four years. In that's ex- Philip Forsberg for him. It's been hard for them, but yeah, I mean, I, I understand your point, but it has not been. That, the that goes thing to for my them. point. I want yeah. you to assess what the returns better. Do better on what you're getting back. Now, I'm not saying you have to get a number ten goal scorer for the 65th goal you scorer, can make these but stats, get somebody who's an upgrade. You can make these stats in the regular season fit whatever narrative that that uh, you know ulti, ultimate pred the preds employee wants to put out there. You know, he, Forsberg is very good right out of the gate, and he's among top 10 in goals over the last four years, early in seasons. And then the tail off is dramatic. There's nothing consistent about his play, and I can't pay him to be a consistent player when I haven't seen it. That So I'm giving a raise. I'm actually, I think I'm being generous by giving him a bump in pay. I don't know if he takes it. In fact, I, I don't think he would take it because he can make more money on the open market, Somebody which is why I've got to trade him. I have to get something for him. Somebody will overpay him ultimately and think that they can get the first three months for the entirety of the season or the first, well, this first burst. Your final part of this is step one for me if I'm rearranging yeah, my order. Yeah, and I, I started get, with getting DeShane, rid of Getting rid of DeShane. Well, and that happens soonest, too. That's coming that's up. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they've got to set their parameters for the expansion draft. And uh, I believe it was LeBron who tweeted this out, maybe late last night, that he, he tweeted out that the expectation is that the Preds and the Kraken are going to make a deal uh, where it guarantees that they select Duchesne. Um, and I'm going to quickly try to find this because I copied it to myself, um, which is what everyone, I think, has expected through all of this. Um, and Adam Vingen retweeted this last night, so I apologize because I can't pull this so up. So while, while you're looking for that, yeah. these scenarios play out, though. So you, you're, you've already dealt Albertson. Duchesne is going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Are you using that money to go and get a top-end forward to replace them? Yes. Or, you're, you're, but you're, I don't see you're, f- you're investing in the team now. I'm not doing this just for draft picks. I, so but you're going to shop free agency. So you're not talking about a, a full-blown, this is not control-alt-delete. No, absolutely not. And in, in fact, my, I, my preference would be to bring back Forsberg on a on a slight raise and under a four to five six year deal. I, I think he would uh, he would be smart to sign a four year contract. But I, I'm trying to bring back Forsberg if I can. Here's Pierre LeBrun uh, last night. There's a growing sense that the Preds might leave Matt Duchesne unprotected in the expansion draft. Five more years on his deal at eight million per uh, on on average. But you're going to have to have a deal with Seattle for them to take him. I think what you're laying out there is very reasonable. And if they can hit on something in the free agent market, you could have a better team next year. I also think that in doing this, to many it will be a signal that uh, you you made a mistake and now you're retooling and rebuilding. Not that you're starting over, but if you don't make that splash or go get a good asset that immediately pays off but in free agency or with a trade, 
That's how it's going to be. Viewed. I, and I know that you're right not, or wrong. I know you're not saying this. This team needs a restructuring. They need they need a, a change up. We've been saying that for years, and these little slight tweaks and a little influx of Duchesne hasn't worked. You've got to make some moves now to build around a young goaltender and build around him the way they want around Pekka. And I think yesterday is a great symbol of that. As, as he retires after 15 years, and I go back to 2012 when they signed him to that contract extension for $7 million. And uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a somewhat of a reset. A lot of teams make the playoffs, though. And, you know, you, you get your skates under you, you get healthy, some people start to take off. And, and who knows? You know, you're not expecting a Stanley Cup run, yeah. but you can expect a team that shows progress, has a good year, maybe goes around in the playoffs, and you feel really good about going the next year. It's not a give-up year where you're saying, hey, we're accepting, don't expect to go to the playoffs. I mean, not going to the playoffs is a real feat in the NHL, isn't it? And also, I, I want to give David Poyle some credit here. I, I would trust him in finding a move that gets you good value for a Forsberg or an Ellis. Uh, I'll use Corey Davis as an example. They don't re-sign Corey Davis. And they the don't Titans worry about it. The Titans end up with it. Julio Jones. Yeah. They found a way to make it work by being patient and working the process of free agency. No, I'm down on his recent returns. He needs he needs to reset, which is yeah. I'm banging home the same point. But, 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 I mean, rewind two years ago, and to be fair to the— Oh, no, the, but Duchesne was a great move. Yeah, stop talking about Duchesne and go sign him already. Right. You know, they're, doing, why, they're shining his shoes. Why, when they're a guy gets here, him. why, when a guy gets here, do we see the worst of him? Oh, that's more of the player. I mean, well, that, right, but they should know. He's a dud. He's they, a beta. Okay. That, that's why. But they need to know those things about him. Well, but he, he was a very productive player elsewhere. Yeah. I understand. But when he gets here and all of a sudden he's a beta and all of this stuff, uh, you know, if that's a Titan, we're saying you got to have some inclination that that yeah, guy's got those characteristics in him. It's ultimately right? on David Poyle, but his track record is not as good of going to get the big money, high profile free agent. And it's very good when it comes to third line. example again, trading Marty Erat for Philip Forsberg as a prospect at the time. He's good at the, uh, what appears to be a downgrade and a salary dump that turns into something Well, good. that was also an age thing, right? And yeah. that was Washington sure. wanting a, a, going on a, on a run Leg and Wolf. wanting a veteran guy. That's what you with do Leg with Ryan Ellis. Yeah, yeah but with, with, those uh, trades Leg happen Leg. more often during the season when a team – that ERAT trade happened during the season, didn't it? They wanted so, yeah. him for a run. Yeah. So but, you're more set to make that trade at the trade deadline than you are to make it now. Uh, and lest we forget, I mean, David Poyle fell in love with Ryan Suter too. And Ryan Suter left him at the altar. Yeah. By, by the way, uh, Ryan Suter, one of the top free agents available this yeah. season. Well, his price has come down. We know that. He's making plenty of money from somebody else. Well, yeah, but how much of that are you going to have to take? Uh, he, well, I think he's unrestricted. But this isn't part They're, and parcel to the Predators. Everyone was in on the Taylor Hall sweepstakes yeah. two seasons ago. He goes to Buffalo. They signed him to $8 million, and he was an absolute failure Doug, to the point where yeah. they traded him to Boston. It's not like they changed looked the better. only He looked guy. better in Boston. Yep. Are are the Predators back in on a Taylor Hall, given the moves that you're going to make with Duchesne and the money you freed up with Arvidsson? Yeah, well, I, also, I understand the difficulties there. What I'm saying is you're due now to hit. Well, if you're also, in on Taylor Hall or whoever it is, I, I need you to get somebody that comes in as good. The next guy can't be the beta. The next guy can't be talking about puck luck. The next guy needs to come in and score the share of goals you expect from him lead the way you're expecting from him. He needs to meet expectations or surpass them. Well, it, but it's more of, it, 
there's more to it than just the players available. Do you want him or not? It, keep in mind they, they brought Duchesne in because they were trading PK Subban. Right. They were. I mean, they, but they knew they were. The roster. They, they knew they had to have offense. a better version of, of than what they had without Subban on the roster, um, and they were trying to change it up with their goal scoring from other aspects of the ice. And and we've left Subban out of this conversation. That was a good trade to me. They went to the Stanley Cup final with sure. that guy. Sure. Um, and now they build around Soros, which I think we're all high on with what we've seen. Looks uh, like they shall recently. sustain good goaltending. The Vols are sustaining good coaching. We'll have Chad set up the message that we are seeing from the athletic department on Rocky Top next on Outkick 360. Tony Vitello gets the contract extension and the bump in pay. Welcome back. Outkick 360's Tennessee Power Hour. He's going to average $1.5 million per year. I believe his staff, he gets what? It's either an extra eight hundred grand or it's around that to, to spend on his staff as well. Um, and that was not just the, the only contract announcement yesterday. Yeah, he gets no less than nine hundred grand for his staff. He also gets 100% of endorsements that come in with equipment. Basically the extra that comes in with the equipment, the apparel deal. And so we don't he's know that get as number. well. That we don't know what that number's gonna be. Um, and we've got some of the story from Tennessee that we're gonna show you as well. But here's a quote I wanna zero in on from Danny White, Tennessee AD. Extending contracts of successful coaches is one indicator of a healthy athletics program. And we plan on continuing to be aggressive with extensions and rewarding success moving forward. I think that is key. Basically, look, this isn't rocket science. If you do your job and you're winning at a high level and you're competing for SEC titles, you are going to get rewarded. Mm -hmm. And they will pay top dollar. Tennessee is not known as a baseball school, but guess what? They now have one of the highest paid college baseball coaches in America in Tony Vitello. And they're giving him a lot of incentives that other schools would not give their coach. Rick Barnes is one of the three or four highest paid basketball coaches in America. Rick Barnes has not had a ton of NCAA tournament success, but what does he do? He gets top players in that are getting drafted in the NBA, and they are going to be picked first, second, or third in the SEC again next year. They're going to compete at the very top of the conference. I'm not going to get into all of them. Kelly Harper is the other notable one here who finished third in the SEC this past year and has shown improvement each year. And that was just her second year in Knoxville. They can take time with her. They should take time with her. Well, how much time was on her contract? I think she was serving a three-year contract. So I think she only had one year left. Um, and this contract now runs her through 25-26. Um, I'm not going to get into all of them. You know, we got the women's tennis coach and the rowing coach who's been there for 21 mm -hmm. years. And yeah. Baseball. Uh, Who was, wasn't extended? The golf coach, uh, uh, yeah, men's tennis coach. Uh, well, Josh Heupel, who was just signed. You know, obviously Thank wasn't God. extended because he hasn't coached a, coached a game yet. That, that was the notable one. Um, here's, the, here's the big grand takeaway as we don't have a lot of time left in today's show. Tennessee can pay money. Danny White is not opposed to spending top dollar in whatever the sport is if Tennessee is having success in that sport. Now, someone's going to point out and say, well, they're 25 to 30 in football pay. That's because Josh Heupel hasn't done anything yet. If Josh Heupel does something and shows that he can compete at the top of the conference or shows improvement, he is going to get rewarded too. The problem at Tennessee in football 
has been either the inability to find the right coach that can compete at the highest level or the right coach turning them down consistently to go compete at the highest level in Tennessee. That's what they've got to figure out with football. I think this is a good sign. I like, you know, we joked just about the Preds making the double announcement. Hey, there's a big announcement tomorrow. Then the big announcement happens on social media and then still come out to the press conference after the fact. Tennessee just dropped nine contract extensions in one story, a story they broke all at once. No press conference, nothing else. These are the coaches. They are winning. I am going to reward winning at this, in this athletic department, and I think that's a good thing for Tennessee. I, 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 your overriding theme, good. I'm not convinced they couldn't have gotten Tony Vitello for less than tripling his salary, plus, uh, nearly tripling his salary, plus these bonuses. So it's a bit of a muscle flex to me, which is fine if you've got the money to muscle flex well, like that. But we talked about, like, is there a limit? At yeah. this point, maybe they had an agreement before outlining parameters, but, uh, you know, he decided to stay. You're not bidding against anybody. Tripling somebody's salary? There is a – there's the question that we asked. There's also a buyout show. to this that he also had to agree to. Yeah, the buyout is favorable for Tennessee if he ever were well, to he's leave. he's staying now. There's nowhere to go. Through 2026. But, again, I think the broader question is, and we discussed this, what do you spend on baseball at Tennessee? Is there a limit to it? I Clearly, this shows me there is no limit yeah. to uh, what Tennessee will spend on baseball. In- they're they're investing big. I mean, it's and Vitello Stadium. That's a debate for another day. Yeah, Tennessee fans good. are happy that Vitello's there. It's a fair point, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, triple the – I mean, he got everything he wanted, is what it looks like to me. I mean, that's – I don't know what else – how he Tony Vitello could ever be upset with Tennessee based on this contract. We will have full details on the contracts, plural, the, all the contract extensions during the Tennessee Power Hour on Friday, the VolQuest Power Hour with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price. Also, another big takeaway, Rick Barnes is retiring as a Tennessee ball. This is it. Yeah. I mean, he is stating, I'm going to serve out this contract for another, what, I think it's four or five years. I think it sets and, up and with Kelly done. Harper. Yeah. And then he'll be done. Fun show today. We are back at it tomorrow. In the meantime, we hope you'll subscribe on YouTube and that you'll follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram at Outkick360. Join us on social media and join us tomorrow at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You did well out there on your end. Don't block the box, do lock the locks. Let's eat some bagels. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.